DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome, everyone, to DJ Simulationista SEP. You're here with Janice Palaganis and Dan Raymer. SEP, Janice. SEP, Dan. The IMSH meeting is coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm excited about I it. I got, yeah, the, the, uh, turns out that the opening plenary is a guy from TV. Uh, call, his name is Jamie Heineman, and he's on a TV show sure. called Mythbusters. Yeah, Mythbusters. And, uh, and he's a uh, special effects guy, and uh, they have this TV show where they take well-held myths and try to do experiments to uh, either prove or disprove the myths. And so they asked me to interview him on stage. So the presentation is going to be me interviewing him. And so, so I have That's been awesome. thinking about like, like myths, you know, what myths do we hold in simulation or do we try to, uh, to bust, uh, perhaps in simulation or do we ascribe to, or, uh, myths is just kind of an interesting topic. I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Let's talk about that. Cause I, I would like to talk about myths and simulation and debriefing. And I don't know if, if you, you probably have already brainstormed some, but I have a few of my well, own. Well, I could, I could use some help because, uh, I am trying to think of what are the key myths that, you know, that we can talk about that I can talk about with, uh, with Jamie. I have to admit, I've only seen the show once or twice and uh, so I madly uh, went to my TV and I uh, uh, bought some episodes so that I could watch them. Really? Um, it's not yes. free at this point. It's kind of an older show, yeah? Well, uh, it turns out that I, I did have to, you had to pay, pay for it. a few dollars for, for some episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's exciting. <laughs> It's exciting. Yeah. I've caught a few because yeah. Jaden Jaden watches it. Gianna doesn't really have all that much interest, but Jaden watches it. And it's so interesting. You're saying special effects. I always wondered what their backgrounds were. I, I suppose we live in a sea of myths, you know, that our whole lives. So my mother used to insist that, you know, that I wear galoshes, she called them, you know, boots, uh, uh, when I went outside in the winter because she was so convinced I was going to get a, you know, get get a, a cold or pneumonia or the flu or something like that. Yeah. Um, or they don't and, let you uh, sit under a fan. I just remember in grade school, they they wouldn't let us sit next to a fan because they'd think that. Really? We'd... I never heard yeah, that our one. Our teacher was... wouldn't let us sit next to a fan because she was afraid we'd, we'd um, catch a cold. Ah, I thought maybe <laughs> like, she was afraid <laughs> you, would, you would stick your finger in it or something oh. and cut your finger and off. And you know, yeah. fans are really fun when you're little, like when you're talking into it. It's got that vibration right. thing going on. Yeah, I suppose there are all sorts of myths that you know, that guide our behavior. 
I guess one in simulation. Yeah, that, let's bust uh, some myths, Dan. Yeah, well, I suppose we try to in simulation. So the one myth that I think everyone in simulation is kind of uh, stuck with is the notion that if you know your stuff, that you'll be good at treating something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the connection between if you have the diagnostic uh, uh, algorithm in your head, and if you know the treatment algorithm, that when you're presented with that condition, you'll have a great performance. And so if you know all the signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis and you know how to treat it, when presented with that case, you'll be a superstar. And I think we all see time and time again that that is an important ingredient, but not the only ingredient to have a, a, a good performance. And that step between, you know, knowing and doing uh, is a big leap and that it's the basis of simulation yeah, and that you absolutely. need to practice. And, and I think people take that myth as we try to bust it. They, they sometimes take it really hard. <laughs> and I don't know that they... You mean the you know, educators when we do educator training take it really hard? Or are you talking about the learners in the simulation? I think now that you mention it both, I was thinking about the learners in the simulation because, really? because they, feel, they feel really disappointed when they don't perform as well as they thought they should. Yeah. And, and it's based on the myth that they, you know, they studied at home or they you know, got a hundred on the test and that they are quite confident they know the algorithm for anaphylaxis. And then they see themselves in a team situation with a less than textbook clear picture presented to them. And they're really disappointed that they went off on ta tangents or they didn't, uh, uh, you know, get to the heart of it as quickly as they wanted to. And then they're shocked when they um, either made a mistake or hesitated to do what they knew was the right thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's quite a, quite a tough thing for people to overcome. Well, I think that's the the power of simulation is when they go through that and they realize for themselves that knowing isn't doing and how could I forget that? Or how can I, oh yeah, of course I know that. Why didn't I do it? And really getting at why they didn't do it. That's like the power of simulation and debriefing. Yeah, it sure is. But I don't know that I've ever tried to use that explanation to learners that it's a myth that because you know those things, you can do them well, and that's why we're here, and that's why perhaps your performance disappoints you, uh, but it's quite normal because well, <laughs> the myth I thought, isn't true. That's why I thought you meant, like in our course, our IMS course, when we educate educators, they, I feel like, you know, with learners, when that happens to them, they go into simulation, they realize they didn't apply what they know. To me, it's like an aha moment and there's no real pushback. When it's educators and you tell them that's all a myth, it's like they have to, they, there's pushback, then they have to see it in action. And then when they do, it's like, oh my gosh, that is so right. true. Right. 
Right, right. Absolutely. So that's so cool, Dan. So like time and time again, busting myths as we go through simulation. I love it. What what other myths are there that you uh, you think we we deal with? Okay, I've got one for you. So there is this this very uh, predominant myth in education. If our learners discover it for themselves, they'll know it better and they'll understand it. What do you think about that one? So so the thing about myths that's always intriguing is that there's always a little bit of truth in the myths. Uh-huh. Wearing your galoshes in the winter and, you know, there's no question that people get sick uh, um, in the winter uh, more often than they do in the summer. So there's a, there's a, if I could say this a germ of truth in it you know so there's probably a germ of truth in the notion that if if people have a self-realization and uh and express it that maybe they'll learn it better but but i don't think there's any evidence for that and i don't i don't believe it anymore it just doesn't ring true as i've seen people grow from their simulation education. Well, I mean, I think it's important for learners to be active in their own self-discovery. I think that's important, but I think more so than them discovering for themselves the the risk that we see when we ha- when we work under that philosophy, we essentially guide our learners into what we're thinking and not really getting helping facilitate guide them to what they're thinking. It's too seductive if you're in a conversation with someone and you're trying to get them to self-reflect. We as facilitators will naturally try to get them to reflect on what we're thinking. Right, right. And so I think that's the myth. I, I don't know if it's really a myth because I do think that learners should be active in their own self-discovery. It's just that as educators, it's a myth because we tend to harm more than actually help that process. It's so apparent when that devolves into a series of guess what I'm thinking questions. Quits. And that's the sign of it when the teacher stands in front of the students and has them basically guess the answer. Uh You know, you just hear it all the time. And there's a myth that people who do that are really good teachers because they're involving the students and getting the students to... Uh, to to respond and to uh, to self reflect, sort of, <laughs> but they're really not. They're really getting them to guess what the teacher is thinking, not really what's what the student is is deeply thinking. So back to Jamie Heineman and the special effects. I, I think there are a lot of myths around the fidelity of simulation and what's important, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen uh, people argue and, you know, there's certainly commercial implications of this that, you know, certain things need to be incredibly realistic to get people buy to buy in. And then other people argue that you don't really need anything that you can basically do a tabletop in your imagination simulation and that's equally as effective. And I think that people hold on to myths about that. The fact is we really don't know very much about exactly what the fidelity recipe is Mm -hmm. for any given individual Mm -hmm. as to what gets them to 
kind of cross the line and buy into things and benefit from the from the simulation. Mm-hmm. I have to say, uh, having made lots of models, some of which are incredibly crude, uh, I'm always surprised when really experienced people interact with those models and seem deeply engaged. And other times we go to great lengths to make things seem just perfect and people spend their whole time complaining about how the simulation wasn't realistic. And I suppose there are all sorts of myths around what's really required to get people to uh, to buy in. Well, it's a myth to think that what you've created is real. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, tying back to what we just talked about with the GWITs, like one myth, I think, or maybe it's not a myth, but a misunderstanding is the use of Socratic method. I just, I think we have a real misunderstanding as educators on, on the Socratic method, which is, you know, we use it as quits after quit, after quit, after quit. What medication would you give and what dose um, and how would you give it? That's not the dialectical that Socrates you know, implemented, it, that's not truly the Socratic method. I'm not quite old enough to have uh, worked with <laughs> Socrates. What are you so talking I'm about? I'm curious. I'm curious. I heard you like walked with him and traveled yeah. the world with him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he was just before my time. It was more Plato that, uh, that, that you know, was my buddy. Um, so you seem to know a lot about Socrates. Uh, uh, tell me, tell me more about the Socratic method. So the Socratic method is meant to be this dialectical where together he with the learner would come up with questions that would actually question the answer to draw out presumptions. So not like what dose would you give, but what do we know about that medication? And is that research actually accurate? And so things that question the answer, not I know the answer, tell me what I know. It's what don't we know as a collective? That's great. That 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 nails it on the head. Um, I think it's it's uh, you know I think a fallacy that we carry carry with us that if we have people, if we're asking them questions, we must be Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a big myth is or professional um, roles. So lots of places that do interprofessional education, there's this myth that if you get the medical student to play a nurse and the nurse to play a medical student, that they will actually understand the role. While, like you said, there's a germ of truth in that, more often than not, what I see is people playing the very stereotype that they think of that profession that I'm trying to break down. So you just, you know, it's okay to do it, but you just have to be prepared to break it down in the debriefing and critique them in their role playing. I suppose, but what a nightmare that can be. I I know we've had, uh, um, you know, anesthesiologists play surgeons and surgeons play anesthesiologists and what they often do is take the conglomerate of all the worst behaviors that they've seen in their experience and turn it into one individual when they play that role. Uh, they can be incredibly nasty, and I, I think you're exactly right that they just wind up reinforcing stereotypes. Uh-huh. I, I think that brings up another myth that I face very often when I do interprofessional 
teams, and it's the notion about that we all that that we're already a good team because we can read each other's minds. <laughs> and, right. And, we and, did so well because we didn't talk to each other. We knew exactly what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it sure seems like a myth. I can't tell you how many simulations I've done where the busting of the myth is really apparent, you know, when when you actually have a video and you point out the lack of understanding of one of the individuals because they haven't been communicated with. The teams are just really, really defensive about that. Uh And then they argue that, you know, they've made all sorts of inferences about what the other person meant because they know them so well. Right. And, And I just, I just find that fascinating that people will hold on to that. Well, I think there's ger- there's a germ of truth to that and it might not be that they weren't talking to each other. I think that's probably the myth, but the trust that they have as a team, an already functioning team, is probably the germ of truth that comes out and then it's that feeling of trust, not the fact that they didn't have to talk to each other. Yeah, I suppose, Janice. I mean, we've been working together for a long time now, and uh, I think sometimes we're a good team, and I never know what you're thinking. (laughs) Do you trust me? Well, (gasps) I guess so. Dan Raymer. (laughs) I trust you. So I think that, I think. I trust that. And I think that's the germ of truth. Yes, and I trust that you're thinking something different than I think you're thinking. Which I always (laughs) am, see? I guess for my uh, presentation at IMSH, the message needs to be that we're, we live in a sea of myths. We can bust them sometimes, but there's some truth in them. And that, that we never really know what's a myth and not, or not until there's a good body of well-designed research uh, around a, a given question. And uh, so far in simulation, we're at kind of the beginning of the journey uh, to prove and disprove the myth that we're faced with uh, every day. Absolutely. All right, Dan. So I, as we wrap this up, I'd like to make a call to our listeners. What myth would you like to bust in simulation and in debriefing? Comment on our podcast. Please. And you may see it on stage at IMSH. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks. Okay, take care. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. DJ Simulationistas. Sup? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.